Today's anecdotal experience podcast is sponsored by LaCroix. I always keep a case of LaCroix in my fridge to offer to guests. Personally I don't enjoy it. It just tastes bad. Too bitter. Offer me a Coke Zero or a LaCroix. You know I'm going for that Coke Zero every time. Oh, it's the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. You came back. You told a friend. You shared it on Facebook if you're Lloyd Johnson, Kyle Jeffers, or Phil Pointer. You're good people. You want to see me succeed. And by seeing me succeed, you'll succeed. So share an episode. Succeed with me. Today, our guest is Lloyd Johnson. Lloyd is on the podcast, and we get dark. What do you do? What do you do with your darkness? What do you do with your pain? How do you deal with it? Do you just wear your pain on your sleeve all day? Giving a piece of your pain to everyone you come in contact with? Or do you distract yourself? Is it good to distract yourself from your pain? I feel like it is, to a degree. But then you gotta, some days you just gotta let the darkness in. You gotta embrace it. You gotta let it seep out. That's what Lloyd says. I don't know about it. I don't know if I totally agree with him, but it's a good podcast with Lloyd Johnson. So yeah, I'm trying to think of where I was. <laughs> you're okay. Like what you're saying, it's kind of like I, the way I look at it as um, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Like we have all of our needs met all the time. So we can worry about emotional stuff because we're eating and we're like living under a roof. Right. So, uh, so that it's more, we have the luxury of that. We have the, yeah. We have the ability to, to pay attention to our emotions more and be more invested in how they make us feel or how, whereas if you were constantly struggling for survival or having to find your food or any of those, yeah. those needs are way more important than, oh, that person upset me or hurt my feelings or, you know, so, yeah. so the emotions become a luxury. They become. Right. Wouldn't it be nice to like worry about something so petty as like a breakup or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, again, if if we were living in some third world desert country, yeah, man. yeah. you know, we're not like, oh, Trump pissed me off today. Exactly. I don't I don't I don't have time to worry about that. We'd have real problems. Yeah. I mean, it's just an economy of energy. You know, how much you're willing to expend on anything is is dependent on how many other things you have to take care of. Yeah. You only have so much bandwidth. Right. That's so, yeah. I know if you have a million things to do that day at work. You're probably not thinking like, oh, I'm going to go see this movie Friday or whatever. You'll think about that Friday. It doesn't. Yeah. You're not stressing about what movie you're going to see. Yeah. It's just you're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It does you got not bigger have problems. The, yeah. It doesn't have the, the level of importance to meet what's going on at the time. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. And I think the best kinds of people are the people that understand that. Like they've had the perspective where their lower <laughs> level needs weren't being met. So when the high level needs aren't being met, they're like, hey, at least the low level needs are met. So they don't freak out and like, you know what I mean? Like I don't post, I'm like Trump and all the election stuff. Like I have so much like that's messed up in my life that I don't, it doesn't even cross my mind. Right? Yeah, it's, it's it doesn't have any value to what you're dealing with. Like I actually mm-hmm. 
prefer people that have had some kind of trauma in their past or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, like I listened to the episode with Billy. Yeah. I could have told you that something happened with Billy before that. I don't know Billy well at all. Yeah. But the few interactions I've had with him, it's like this guy has seen some shit. Well, he has that level of perspective where it's like, okay, I'm going to have fun and enjoy this moment that it's happening right now. Right. I like this. I'm happy with this. And it doesn't, you know, I mean, the normal social awkwardness and stuff, you can read it on him. Yeah. But it's not a controlling thing to him. Yeah. He has perspective. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like it's some big giant red flag sticking off of his back, but you can feel like, okay, this kid has something there. Like there's been something that affected him. Yeah. And And he sees the world differently now. Yeah. I relate to people like that much, much more. Yeah, that's why and that's why I can't even have a conversation with someone about like Donald Trump or something like that where I'm like, dude, you haven't you're not you've nothing's happened to you. The fact that this is your biggest problem right now, I can't hang with you. You know? Yeah, it's uh, I feel a little bit of sympathy for people that that have to attach to a cause like that. Why? What do you mean? Um so for for things to for little things to become that important to you, yeah, it means that there isn't something else that important to you. Does that make sense? They like, need uh, something. Like you, you know, you meet that kid who's in their second year of college, and their you know their gender studies professor just told them something, and it becomes the biggest thing in the world to oh, them. It becomes yeah. this all encompassing. I have to fight this on every front. This is my cause. Yeah, and it all like it's. I almost feel a little bit of pity. Like, oh, that means there's there's not other things there for you to care about. That yeah. this has become such a big thing, or there's such an overwhelming amount of things happening Ooh. that this is your escape. I was gonna mention that some people. I'm like, what's really going on? Well, like, I all right. So I realize a lot of the stuff that's wrong with me, and I work with it as opposed to against it. Explain that. All right. So let's get into that. I constantly distract myself because I don't, if I let the, the carnival in my head take over. Yes. I'm much more prone to hit that depressed, sad, irritated, grumpy state. Oh my gosh. Versus, yeah. you know, if I walk around and play Pokemon go, I have something to distract me. If I have my headphones on and a, a podcast going, I, I can invest in that and my brain runs still, but I only have to pay attention to like the half of it that is available at that time. So I intentionally shrink down the amount of bandwidth my brain's using yeah, to get through shitty days. We, dude, we all do, we all do that. We all have our thing where it's this, I think that's why like people go jogging, people go running, because there's a part of your brain that needs to jog. And it can't be festering on whatever the carnival of insanity is in your head. So you turn you turn on, you like turn on a podcast and you go for a, a jog. There's very little bandwidth left for you to think about the negative. Right, and I think mine runs it. It's gonna, I don't know if that sounds arrogant, but I think mine runs at such a high, yeah, RPM that I almost have to have something. And then there's days where just as almost a relief, uh, you know, just a relief valve. I'll spend a day on the couch, just being shitty and depressed, like almost letting my depression go out and play for a minute. 
Is that like healthy here, you, for you? I, I think to me, it just makes it easier to manage. Like, all right, I had that day where I laid on the couch. I watched, you know, 14 episodes of South Park, played a video game for five hours and accomplished nothing real. Right. I had that day. So the next day I can now look back and hate myself enough to get something done the following day. Like I let you, I let that go. I let that depression have its fun. It got to go play and have its day in the sun. Yeah. Now it's time to take care of shit. But what if you never, what if you just took care of shit and you never let the depression have its fun day? Oh, it's going to, it's going to come back. It's, it's gonna, going it's, to, it's going to at some point. All right. So you got to let the valve open. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, for me, it's more mitigating it than it is trying to stop it or control it. It's just, well, I guess I am controlling it in a a way. Like I said, you know, constant distraction. Like when I'm at work, there's some parts of my job that are fairly mindless. Right. And you will not see me do them without headphones or something. Because if I have to just deal with the carnival in my head by the end of that, you know, let's say two hours. I'll either be angry or sad because those are the two emotions I live in the most. Those are the ones that I are so easy and comfortable for me. Rage and sadness. Yeah. Those are, those are the simple ones for me. Mine are yeah, sadness and anxiety. And I, I hate the anxiety so much that yeah. I think I intentionally channel that to rage. Oh really? Like I, I would rather like when I start feeling myself getting that anxious yeah. worked up feeling, I'll find something to focus on that either, again, distracts from it yeah. or that I can get mad at because I know I can get mad and then I know how to work that one out of the way and get back to get back to zero. Dude, I'm yeah, I'll I'll take for me. I can control my depression. I know what it is um, and I just got to make it through and I can I know how to distract myself, but. You're right. If I can, if I can channel my anxiety into depression, it's much better because anxiety, I have no control over. Depression, I know what to do. Right, and it, I have a, a somewhat controlling personality. Like I have the little neurotic parts about me. Yeah, I hate, I hate them. So I do everything I can to keep them from coming up. So like, if I have to look for something, okay, something isn't in its place. If I have to look for it. I get I go from zero to rage red angry immediately. What if like if you misplace the thing and now you've gone to look for it? I don't misplace things. Uh are you like so, OCD? Uh, no, not not even a little bit. Just it's organized. Just, it's just and and not in everything, just the certain things that I know will anger me. Okay. So like I've never in my life lost keys, wallet, a phone any of those. I always know where they are. All right. Yeah. And like, you know, something simple, like, uh, if the hairbrush isn't in the bathroom, my, right. my daughter used to take it and put it in her room all the time. Yeah. The second I have to start looking for it, I'm going to get angry. Okay. Because it's not where it's supposed to be. Really? And it's not like, Oh, I need it to be there. or I get anxious or whatever. It's why, why did you not put it back in the place where it goes? This is one of those things that just belongs here. There's no reason for it to be anywhere else. What's it really about, though? Is are you saying that's anxiety manifesting rage, or is that just straight up rage? I think it's just just straight rage. I think it's just it's. There's few things that set me off, but the things that set me off set me off quickly. Misplaced things. It's the same as someone wasting your time. Like if someone yeah. gets in my way, like, yep. like like let's say someone's walking and they decide to stop at the most narrow point of a walkway. Yeah. 
And now I have to stop when you could have taken four more steps and not made me slow down at all. I hate you to your core immediately. You know, you know what it is? You, you hate being, you hate not being considered. I, I I think some of it is that. And uh, I think some of it really is just, I think, I think about stuff like that constantly. What? I think about how what I'm doing is going to affect everyone around me. Yeah. And if it's not reciprocated, yep. then it feels gross to me. Yeah, because you're like, I spend all this time making sure I'm looking out for everyone, and you don't give two shoes about anyone else, especially me. Yeah, you know, merging onto a highway. One car here, one car here. Right. Why is that hard? Yeah. But then there's that guy who drives up the side and tries to cut in. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll happily damn near wreck my car to make sure he doesn't get in. Yeah. Because fuck that guy. That's why. And he needs to learn. Yeah. He needs to learn. He cannot be an asshole. Yeah. And this I, behavior does not fly. If it was legal for me to get out of my car and smack him, I would. Would you really? Yes. Absolutely. Dude, you have. Yeah, you have what I have because it's that I'm the same way, man. If I'm if someone's inconsiderate to me or anything like that, I'm it it really pisses me off. It'll really get me going. And I think it's the same thing because I'm very considerate of everyone. I say, I'm sorry. Oh, you know, you can, you come in, you do this, you do that. Like, let me take care of you. We're all in this together. And when someone doesn't reciprocate that sentiment, I'm like, beat it. Get out of the world. Get out of society. Yeah. And the the odd part is, is I'm so considerate of people's time and space. Yeah. I'm not nearly that considerate about people's feelings. What do you mean? Um, so, like, I'll say something, whether or not I think it'll hurt your feelings, if I think it's the right thing to say at the time. If I need to hear it? Yeah, if you need to hear it. I, I may not know you. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. But if there's something I feel important enough to say, I'll say it whether or not I think it's going to upset you or not. So, I'm not considerate on the emotional side, but on the practical, functional, I'm very much so. So, like, and I, I, I will hate myself the next day when I hurt somebody's feelings unnecessarily. But in the moment, it's not even a consideration. It's not even a thought. Yeah. I know what you're saying. <clears throat> and a lot of, and it's, you're giving them the, you look out for people in just a regular way where you're trying to help. Um, but then there are times where someone, it's usually when someone's maybe being inconsiderate or, thinks a certain way of a thing and it's incorrect and not good for everyone. So you'll just tell them like, Hey, you're being an asshole. You're being bad right now. And of course they're going to feel like shit because you've called them out. Right. Like per, a perfect example. Right. Uh, so I was at Kroger and Finneytown and they have the self checkout lanes. Oh man. Yeah. Right. What do you got? This is good. So, you know, there's, one line formed and people were just breaking off and going to whatever the next open right. one is. Mm-hmm. And this guy just decided he was going to walk up and make a second line and just decide that the first line is for that side and his line is now for this side. Not cool. So he went to cut in front of somebody and he starts putting some of his stuff on the thing by the checkout. Yeah. And I'm four or five people back in line. I walked up and started grabbing his stuff off there and throwing it back in his car. You did not. Yes, absolutely. Did it, you really? Without a second thought. It, it is It is an immediate, like, all right, fuck this guy. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like, if it comes down to a fist fight, I'm perfectly fine with that. Because fuck you, that's why. Because there, because there needs to be order in the world. Yeah, and you just... I'm... 
I'm standing in line. Yeah. This person in front of me is standing in line. We're doing the thing we're supposed to do, and now you've just opted that you're better. You get to be special. You get to have a, a new way of doing it or a, the way that's least inconvenient for you yeah. at the expense of other people. And you, it yeah. immediately will send me off. I'm ah, oh, dude, we're the same. Cause that's the it's this thing where it it it's them saying, "I'm the only one out here. I'm the only one in the world. It's all about me. I'm doing me. I'm taking care of me. I don't even recognize that the people that I'm cutting in front of are actual people that have been waiting. It, anything that self indulgent, yeah, will drive me nuts. Like I can't watch like a reality TV thing or whatever. Well, yeah. I was I was having uh, my tires changed, and I was sitting waiting for them to finish up. Yeah, and uh, there was some reality TV show with a bunch of women on it. Uh, probably one of those house like things, like, yeah, one of the yeah. whatever. But the lady was just yammering about herself for ten minutes. Yeah, and then the next scene is like a cutaway where her and another girl were just talking about what they had been talking about before. Like it literally was just them talking about the same thing a second time. Oh yeah. But with the added layer of this is how it made me feel. Right. And to me, like it, I had to get up and walk outside. I was like, I'm gonna throw this TV out the fucking window. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, just pure unadulterated narcissism of I'm important. And this is how this made me feel. Just completely oblivious that there are other people in the world. Right. Because they were, you know, they were acting like assholes in a whole room full of people. And then when it comes to them having a conversation, the only part that matters is them. And it, yeah. it bums me out. It, I get genuinely like turns my stomach a little bit to the point where I either am going to feel just grossed out, like physically like grossed out by right. it, or I'm going to go just red mat. Yeah. Like, those are my two options. And 90% of the time I'm going to pick mad because again, that's just more comfortable and I can, I, I know the roadmap from mad to normal. You know what to do about it. Yeah. You know how to get back to where you need to be. Cause I'll get madder than most people will. I'll overreact to something and get way crazy mad. Yeah. But I know that I just need 10 minutes after that. And I'm usually okay. To cool like, down. If, yeah. If you give me 10 minutes, I can do all the mental gymnastics to get myself from mad to normal. Yeah. Whereas like the days that I let, like I was talking about just kind of letting the depression go. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Like if, if, if in the middle of that day I have to now accomplish something, that's a way, that's a way bigger task to me. Yeah. Cause now I have to fight all the way back to zero and then go do something. Yeah. It's so, it's so difficult cause you now have to do a thing and then also combat your depression too. Right. So I, I I never let it get that heavy. Right. On on my day to day. But the days I do, it's real hard for me to bounce back. Like even handling something simple like someone calling to set up a doctor's appointment or something. Yeah. It becomes a chore on that day. Yeah. Any other day it would be, oh, okay, yeah, cool. This is a thing. Yeah, man. And it's weird because you think about that. Like you think about your day, you have to go and you have to make that phone call. And it just, you think about it. And for some reason, it's a big deal. And you put it off when on any other day where you're not feeling that, you probably wouldn't even think about it. You just call and it would be over. Yeah. But when you have, yeah, when it's just everything's a challenge, you know? Well, I have the added layer of most of the time when I have a call like that, it is a doctor thing. Like, yeah. uh, 
Uh, and it's usually not it's, I know it's not going to be something positive. Like, you know, I have a bone disease that is, I'll have it forever. Right. It's, it doesn't go away. It doesn't. Yeah. So it's only going to get worse over time. It causes a ton of pain. I'm in chronic pain daily. Jeez. So that makes the, the days where I'm laying on the couch being, you know, a sack of shit. Yeah. That's, that's how I'll, like, I'll tell, I'll tell people like, I'm just having a sack of shit day. Yeah. We all mean that yeah. means I'm just don't, don't expect anything out of me. Right. That that's kind of like that wallowing in the self pity and misery of it being shitty and being in pain. And yeah. So I'm always amped up a little bit. Cause when you're in chronic pain, there's no, there's no zero. There's no going all the way back to zero. You're always kind of off. You're kind of always a little bit towards angry or a little bit towards, upset about it Shit, or man. whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It, it just shifts everything a bit. You never, but so you never zero doesn't become, I guess it's never like, Oh, I'm now I'm always in a little bit of pain. So I don't feel the pain because I'm pain is what I live through all the time. I'm never at zero. Right. So, well, I can remember before being in chronic pain. Okay. All what right. my zero was then and what my zero are now are very different. Okay, so what sort of thing, like getting up out uh, like off a couch, is yeah. that super it painful? Hurts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I have uh, so it's it, it's a type of arthritis, mm-hmm. but it's like super arthritis. Yeah. And it's actually fusing my bones together as it goes. So, like my SI joints, where the spine meets your pelvis, uh-huh. those are all fused into one giant chunk now. So do you can like what can't you do now? So like uh, I used to take jujitsu. I was a I got a blue belt in jujitsu. Okay. And I used to be able to put my foot behind my head. You know, I was very very flexible. Very. Right. Now like if I have to bend down and put socks on, I have to realize oh, this is going to hurt. Yeah. So man. like just that simple task, and you just kind of accept it on most days. But then there's some days where you just it. it Again, it kind of just builds up and builds up, and then you have to let it out in one of those sack of shit days. Like, yeah. you know I mean, it's almost like I'm reserving all of the negative feelings that go associated with getting frustrated and tired of being in pain all the time. And you just kind of let them out in one big burst, and then you get back up and go back to work the next day. So, when you're going to work the next day and you're putting on your socks, you're doing, you're distracting yourself somehow from the fact that you're putting on socks and you're in pain. Yeah. So you have to, okay, so that's, and then you'll go back next Saturday and you'll lay on the couch and then you'll think about how it sucks to put on socks now. Yeah. All so right. it's, it's just, like I said, it's just like these little spotty relief valves throughout, throughout right. time. So where that becomes a complication is when you don't get the reprieve, when you don't get the chance to do that. Like if you have, if I have like a period of time where there's too many things that hit back to back. It gets where I can't set, like I can't build that up. You can't like repress I, I, it. That cup overflows whether I yep. like it or not. I can't wait till my sack of shit day to dump that cup out. Yeah. It just yeah. starts coming out and it, it, I'm awful to be around. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I there's days where like people be like, Hey, you want to go do this? And I do, I really do. Yeah. But I know that I'm already too, that cup's too full. There's too good of a chance that I'm going to get shitty or I'm going to be upset or, you know, something's going to piss me off because I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm on that, that you're already overflowed, point, man. Right? I'm on that tipping point where it, 
and I don't want to fuck up everybody else's day. Yeah, it's you're being responsible and you're knowing like, guys, I'm not going to be if we go whatever bowling or some shit. I'm I'm not going. I want to bowl, but I'm not going because I'm overflowing right now and I'm going to bring that negative energy to the bowling league, you know? And not only that, but if, you know, if somebody that's there gets somebody there is being rude or whatever, I'm going to way overreact. Yeah. Cause it's not, yeah, I was a bounce. I was a bouncer for a long time. Mm -hmm. So in my, there's a little part in my brain that still thinks that it's my job to police people that are misbehaving. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if we're at a bar or whatever, it takes me a good 30 minutes to get just out of that mode and normal. Right. It's like the first half hour I'm out and out. You're working things. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's just remind, kind of reminding myself. I'm not like letting myself cool down to, you know, that social anxiety that. See, when you walk into a bar, you think I got to make sure I got to keep this place under control. Well, it's just kind of, you don't think it, you just kind of like, I, I, I immediately start looking and figuring out where everybody's at. Yeah. Make sure everything's okay. Where, you know, where do I go if I need to. Right. get away from everybody you know I, like i kind of have to go through those things okay. and then i'm back to normal and i'm fine and i can have a great time you gotta assess like what's the game plan right you gotta and be that, ready it yeah. sounds way more no that, we that's a thing man that's i mean alex leads he has a um he has a crohn's disease and he was talking about that and it's it's a sim it's a same thing it's a similar thing but he'll be anxious until he walks into a place and he knows where the bathroom is and he knows sort of everything he can kind of go through your similar scenario but for him it's if he has to use the restroom and then he can kind of calm down once he's like all right i know i have my emergency plan right you know yeah yeah man that's uh that's like did the did the rage or not like or anger did that is it comes from the pain well and it was always there was it Uh, well not i won't say always um since I was an early teen, yeah, I I've always had that just right below the surface kind of simmering. Yeah, what? But uh, my brother killed himself when I was twelve. He okay. was fourteen. Yeah, and everything just changed very drastically. So we moved from Alabama to Cincinnati. Yeah, and then a couple months later, my brother killed himself. So it was just all of this change all in one swoop. Then both of my parents drastically changed. You know, you're losing a kid. You're you're going to. Yeah. Um, my mom had mental health issues. My dad was an alcoholic and both of them kind of ramped up at the same time, which. So that they were before your brother killed himself. Yes. And then it, it, both of them ramped up in their own way. Yeah. Um, my mom's much better now than she's ever been. She's, she's, she's much more in control of, of, of how manic she gets at times. And I, and I don't mean that in a, Mom, if you ever listen to this, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sh- yeah, we get you, man. But uh, no, I mean she's she's much more. But after losing a kid, I, I you know it's not something like I hold against her. But yeah, there were some serious ups and downs where you know there'd be three days where she almost didn't wouldn't talk. Yeah, and the only time she did, it wasn't anything you wanted to hear. Like it would just be sad, or you know, it'd be angry because she's sad or what. So all of that kind of happened right at that point where I'm 12, 13, where people get angsty and angry anyway. Uh So it just ramped all of that into high gear for me. Yeah. Cause you had, but yeah, that's it. It's like that animosity that you have. Yeah. It's just your homeostasis is wrecked. 
And yeah, I mean, your parents are, you're around them all the time. Was it just you then? No, uh, I have an older brother named Mark who, okay. who he, uh, he, he dealt with it kind of, and I would say in a better way than I did. Like he didn't seem as angry about it. He, he genuinely like would just process stuff. He's a, he's a very interesting dude. He, he's immensely talented at things that mm-hmm. like he's one of the best artists I've ever met, yeah. but he doesn't do anything with it. And I don't know if that's a, he just wants that for a thing he can do on his own or if he, you know, I don't, I, right. I've never been able to figure out why that is, but he handles things just very internally, but he'll talk to you freely about them. You know, it's not, he can process it kind of a little less emotionally. Yeah. I, well, I don't think he got as angry as I did. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Like, who I, are you angry at? Uh, I was angry at my brother, like the one who killed himself. Cause it, it, it's a, you know, to me, it was a selfish, shitty thing for him to do. He, he wrecked everything for everybody. Yeah. I was mad at, you know, I get just being alive, like just everything and everyone. It was just uh, all the things I thought might have contributed to it. Yeah. And then even just completely unreasonable things, you know, it, like it just, it just manifested itself into just this constant, like angry Anger, phase. Yeah. Now I was a very silly, fun, loud mm-hmm. teenager. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I did a lot of silly shit. Like my hair would always be a different color. Cause a girl up the street, liked to dye my hair and she had big tits and I liked to let her. Yeah. So, you know, I always had different colored hair and I dressed weird and had all that, you know, all of that part. Yeah. But it didn't take much for me to go from haha, we're having fun hanging out to me beating someone fucking senseless. The rage was right under the right. surface. It didn't take a lot. Right like, under the crazy hair. Yeah, I, I'm super, super protective of other people. Yeah. So, like, if you picked on one of my friends, yeah. I don't care why, I don't care the backstory, I don't care if they're dead wrong. At that time, it was. You beat the shit out. Yeah. Dang, you're so you're like then. I mean, I guess are you? You're prone to violence then. I was. Honestly, the best thing that could have ever happened was I started doing kickboxing and jujitsu, and there's not those. Those are so humbling. Having someone half your size just beat you silly. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, right. Calm down. And it, you know, that, that, and then just the realization of how much you can hurt somebody. Okay. And it's not like, you realize like, Oh, it's not worth it. Like I've been injured. I've had to have surgery. I've, you know, all these different things that could happen because I lost my temper and was acting like a child. Got it. So the reality of what it means to like beat someone in, you know what I mean? With the aftermath, it became clear, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, this yeah, sucks yeah. for a person, sucks for me. Yeah, and it, it, I make it sound, it was, a, it was a pretty short time that I was that yeah. reactive, but I've always had that backup plan, and, it, and it's just pure dumb luck that I'm a giant dude, and, yeah. you know, that was always, it wasn't as scary of a proposition for right, me as it was for, for other people. Right. I'm, you know, I'm six and a half foot tall, I'm 230 pounds when I was, like, 14 years old. Right. You know, I, I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, as you much. would have been less prone to violence if you were, you know, uh, yeah, five I no, foot I, five. I have no doubt of that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, you but would have found another way to. I genuinely think, again, and this is one of those things that I learned from my brother and my dad, 
they were both very, very protective of people. Yeah. Um, my brother Waylon, the one that killed himself, was that way. Uh, he was born with a disease called gastroschisis. His uh, intestines were on the outside when he was born. Okay. So he had to immediately have surgeries to put him back in and stuff. So he had a giant scar from like a sternum to the top of his pubic bone. Yeah. And he was very, very self-conscious about it. Like mm-hmm. he wouldn't take his shirt off swimming, any of that stuff. Like it, it, it bothered him a lot. Right. But the result of that was I can remember in, I think he was in fourth grade. So I was probably in third there's a kid who made fun of a girl in a wheelchair and Waylon beat that kid. It was the worst beating I've ever seen someone that young dish out. Yeah. Because he just couldn't have you picking on someone who was different or had something wrong with him. And my yeah. dad was very much that way. He did not allow, you could be mad at somebody. You could get into a fight with somebody, but if it was for a reason that it was something they couldn't help. Yeah. He wasn't into it. Yeah, no, I I have, uh, I don't have that, I have that more so with the family and like that sort of instinct with like, like my brother. Like I remember it was like dudes just kind of messing around on the soccer field like after practice and my, someone was making fun of my brother's girlfriend and then it kind of escalated a little bit and this guy kind of like slapped my brother, but yeah, and I, and I, it like immediately like it triggered something in me, like adrenaline shot through me, and I, you know, I told him I was like, "Don't touch my brother." Like it was all in fun. It was all like they're just like, but it got too intense. But instinctively, I just it did something like chemically. Right. I was like, th- I like immediate rage. I get that way with uh, you know I have certain friends that just for whatever whatever. I don't know what it what the catalyst is. Some of my friends, I'm like, oh, he can take care of himself. He's a he's a big boy. He's fine. Yeah. And some of them, not even that they can't, but there's something about certain friends of mine that I just can't tolerate. People even like play fighting with them or stuff without like my shoulders start tensing up and I start getting yeah agitated. And it's it's I've never figured out what the mechanism is that makes that switch in a friend. I think it's you see how that friend, whatever, whoever they are, you see how they're affected by it. And it, it might be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if they seem to be more affected by it and you see your friend, whatever the, the person's doing to them is like hurting them. You see your friend hurt. That's when it kicks in. and You're like, I'm going to destroy you. Right. I have a friend named Sean who he's absolutely perfectly capable of taking care of himself. Yeah. But if anyone messes with him, he, like even his other friends play fighting or whatever. Right. I have to consciously remind myself like, no, like, I mean, I, I just have a protective thing towards him. Yeah. And then I have it towards complete strangers. So yeah. uh, I used to work doing maintenance at Tri-County Mall. Yeah. And there's a time where I saw a guy pointing his finger into this girl's face and he was screaming at her and then he kind of pushed her back against the wall. Yeah, there was zero thought involved. I went and I picked him up and I dumped him into the planter and over in the corner and hit him two or three times before I realized I had left what I was doing. Right. And it it was just a gone. Just it it was immediate. It just felt the need before you knew it. I needed to protect that girl. 
turns out she turned around and started yelling at me for getting involved in their thing. And right, but the way you saw it at that moment was like this person needs help. Right, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound like come off like oh I'm some big fucking tough guy who beats the shit. Nah, that's not at all. Like I hate every single time I've hit somebody. I yeah. hate it so much. Yeah, I don't enjoy that. I don't want that. Right. It was just an easy. It was an easy solution to things. Right. Before I had the mental capacity and emotional ability to deal with it better. Okay, so now you're not getting in like violent fits of rage. Now you're, you know, what do you do now? What it like, is it the distracting thing now? Is that kind of how you have to deal with the rage? Well, just find a distraction. That's like the day to day to day mitigation part of it. But like, if Mm. something big happens, again, I think just the reality of, I could actually hurt somebody or I could like, it just tempered that by itself. Like you have I don't a couple have, of layers, a couple yeah, layers of thought. I, yeah. I don't yeah. have to, I don't have to like tell myself like, Oh, don't go hit that person. Right. It's, it's already built in again from one, knowing that I could hurt somebody Yeah. to realizing like, Oh, that could, it could go real bad real quick. And right. it's not, this is not worth that. Yeah. You now have the perspective rather than instinctively, beat the shit out of someone your brain doesn't say go go beat the shit out of that guy your brain says hey maybe there's a problem here understand like if you're gonna use violence you could really hurt a person i could ruin their life i could ruin my life like i want no if i never have another physical altercation in my life i'll be happy with that yeah yeah i mean like I, i have no need to prove myself on that side anymore i think that was also part of it when i was a teenager yeah was I was new and all of a sudden I became really weird to everybody because I was that kid whose brother killed himself. And cause how, how long after when you moved to Cincinnati, did your brother kill himself? Um, he killed himself September 11th and 95. Okay. So however far into the school year that is, cause I mean, we were up here just a little bit before school started. What we happened moved during the summer? What happened? Like, why did, what did, did you suspect it from your brother? Um, he was always kind of a dark dude. Yeah. You know what I mean, like he was, he was bigger and stronger than most kids his age. Yeah. And I don't know if that was from whatever. I don't know. I don't know. He was, he was just a, a little brick shit house from okay. day one. Like he was just a ball of muscle. Right. Uh, me and my other brother, Mark are real tall. Yeah. Waylon was shorter, but he was just a ball of muscle and mean. And he was always kind of dark and kind of angry. Yeah. Um, when we moved up here, he got real withdrawn, real quiet, but we still kind of interacted the same. And then there was a little, like there was times where you could just, I didn't know at the time that that's what it was, but you could like looking back on it and realize like, Oh, he had, he was depressed. Yeah. Like he would just have these very shut down, not interacting with anybody. Right. Reacted to everything with anger. You know what I mean? Like at the time I was 12, I had no, that was just his have, personality. Yeah, I didn't have the scope to realize, like, oh, this is depression. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I saw I saw my mom's depression, but it was much more manic. It was much more up and down. Right. Where his would just be, like, a month long. He would just be less interactive. Yeah. Because you... But did you did you understand your mom was mentally ill? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, she, had, but- she had been to, like, mental health care facilities and, like, stayed over and stuff. So all that had to be explained to us as we were kids. Like, I mean, this is my whole life... Right. Growing up like, uh, and you know, she was always, she was always reasonably stable with us and, and, and 
always very nice. Yeah. But it was like you could see changes in how she behaved. And you could see how that affected my dad. And there was always this strain back and forth. Like, I remember when they got divorced in my teen years, me and my older brother were both like, finally. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Not. And again, it wasn't like some explosive, big, giant fights all the time. There was just always that tension. Just uncomfortable. Yeah. So you kind of like, and, and, you know, it was resentment on his side for her being that way and resentment for her, for him being resentful. And like, you know, it just kept building on that. Until it finally hit ahead and they got divorced. And it was like, oh, like it was, it really was a sigh of relief for, for me and my older brother. Like, all right, cool. Like this is, this is the best thing that could happen right now. It's over. Yeah. So it's we the didn't, end of the war. Yeah. We didn't have that. Like, oh, our parents are splitting up moment. Right. I mean, me and him literally had a conversation. We're like, Jesus, thank you. All right, cool. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. That's like, it's so living in a, tense household is just it's unbearable man you like don't want to go home like i don't want to go there i don't want to be there so once it's finally like i don't have to live in a house but where these two people who kind of hate each other are just living around me yeah and it it, and again then there would be other days where you're like you would see how good they could be yeah so you would always be like well either do that or don't do any of it like you know what i mean like because when they were when they were good it was it was beautiful it was fantastic yeah like my dad was this. To look at him, he was terrifying. He's you know no joke six foot six, three hundred sixty. You're pounds. terrifying. Probably looks like you. He was a bigger version of me. Really? Yeah. Like uh, Lloyd's big. Yeah. Uh, he's bigger than me and jet black, long hair, full big long beard, yeah. black, just you know darker, swarthier kind of complexion than me. Yeah. And he looked kind of angry. He wasn't. Okay. Most of the time, like he was very, he loved kids and playing with everybody. Like, he, you know what I mean? But you always were like, oh, this, this guy could smush me if he wanted to. Like he ju- just was so physically like, intimidating yeah, right. to anyone. I mean, to anyone. Yeah. He's a physically intimidating dude. Yeah. Like when he would walk around downtown or whatever, people would come up and be like, are you this pro wrestler? Like, I mean, he was just that big. Of right. A, you have to be like, you have to play for the Bengals or something. Yeah, like, yeah. He got that constantly. He was just a giant dude. I mean, just the width of his shoulders and the, you know what I mean? The size of him right. just ma- physically was yeah, <laughs> imposing. So, uh, but then seeing like, uh, getting back to us, like seeing them when they were good, the, my mom's a very funny lady. Okay. Um, she might, she'll, she has a tendency to, she'll hit a joke and then she'll beat it to death, but yeah, but still like the good part of manic, you know? Right. Yeah. But she's funny. She's got a good sense of humor. Right. And my dad was absolutely like, he was a a George Carlin nut. He loved Carlin, uh, and Richard Pryor. Like those were two of his favorite people. Uh So he was very, aware of funny and he knew like he had timing if he didn't have punchlines. Right. You know what I mean? Like he knew how to say something to make it funny or to tell a story or much more so than most people I know. So they both were good at being funny and wanted to be. Yeah. And and, I mean, they just naturally were, it was just their personality. They're silly, fun. How often was it good like that? Rare. But But like most, maybe once a month. Maybe one day out of the month, they would just have that very loving, happy day. Dang. And it was mainly, was it kind of up to your mother to have a good day? Uh, 
I think it was a little bit of both because, like I said, my dad was he was a drinker. Okay, yeah. Which got way way worse after my brother died. Yeah. Like he later on in life, uh, so when my parents split, I stayed with my dad. Yeah. And me and him just became roommates. He kind of just stopped being dad. He just was the big dude who pays a lot of the bills. Right. And um, so we had much more candid conversations after that point. Like he was fully aware of the fact that he was killing himself daily. You, how much was he drinking? Oh, like a, like one, a, a whole handle of vodka a day easily, yeah. if not more. Wow. And he would blatantly tell me like, right. Oh, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm killing myself. I'm just doing it slow. And he's doing it because he's like, this helps him cope with like your mom. Or well, what? I mean, this is, I, I mean, those conversations were after they split, but I think after Waylon died, yeah, my dad had this, okay, I just have to get till the boys are capable. Like, I think he only planned ever for get, making it to the point where me and Mark could handle ourselves on our own. And that was it. That's all he wanted to accomplish. I think after, like I said, after Waylon died, like his drinking ramped up. Yeah. But he was so responsible about everything. He never missed a day of work. He never missed a bill. He never, like he was completely functional to the point of, it was impressive how well together he kept everything with how drunk he was half the time. Yeah. That's the, but yeah, again, that's the, your dad had to overcome that depression or rage or whatever he had. It's still the task thing. It's the phone call to the doctor. Your dad knows I hate this. Like I hate getting up, but I know the tasks I have to do and I have to be a good father and get like my boys to this point in their lives. Yeah. And I think once he hit that point, once, you know, he saw I had a job. I, I could take care of myself if I needed to. Yeah. He was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm done. Then, and and I, I don't think he wanted to continue. Li- I don't think he wanted to live a long time. So then he, but so what'd he do? He just kept drinking until his liver failed. So he really cranked up the drinking once it was, yeah. once it was like, okay, my sons are de- like independent people. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, he would flat out tell me like, I'm killing myself. Just, I'm just doing it a chicken shit way. That was his words. Why did he tell you that? Because I think he just wanted me to realize, like, it's not you that's upsetting me. It's not you. I'm not drinking to because I'm sad. Or, you know, I, I think he wanted to own it. I think he wanted to take that blame and be like, oh, this is just me doing this because I, I don't want to be here that long. Like, he didn't say it in those words, but it really came across that way. Like, it was just, I'm done. I want to check out. Wow. But I'm not going to do it that way. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, that was just his way he chose was drinking. He's just telling you, like, I'm done living and I'm too scared to just kill myself. Yeah, which is, it was such a weird thing because he was never, like, you never saw a moment of fear in him. Yeah. Like, he's the kind of guy who, he pulled four of his own teeth out of his head when they started to go bad. Because uh-huh. he didn't feel like dealing with going to the dentist and paying for it. So he just ripped them out of his own head. Yeah. He's a guy who didn't want to fright anything, but you could f- sense that he didn't want to go out the way like Waylon did. Waylon yeah, shot exactly. himself. That's why I would. Yeah. So yeah. to him, I think that was so abrupt and it was so. 
yeah, I didn't want to do that to you again. Yeah, yeah. I think it was so shattering of a thing that I think part of the, him explaining that was just prep. Got it. Like, hey, this is coming. Be aware of it. Right. Um. So you're not blindsided. Yeah, and then if you ever wanted a better moral example, when he was dying, uh-huh. so he was on a liver transplant list, and you know they made they made him go to AA, uh-huh. and they made him like stick to this, which he hated. He hated going to AA. He just stopped drinking, and he was fine. Okay. You know, he, he he didn't have a hard time. He had, like, two or three days that sucked real bad. Right. And then he just didn't drink. But yeah. It was, it was already too late. Like, his liver was shot. But he only did it to kind of keep up appearances for my grandparents. So, yeah. like, you know, as far as they knew, he was on the liver transplant list. And someday there was a liver that was going to come through. And there was one day where he was like, hey, i got to go to this doctor's appointment. I need you to take me. Yeah. And I was like, well, I thought Grandpa was taking you. He was like, he can't take me to this one. Yeah. And I didn't think anything of it. We get there, and he looked at the doctor, and he goes, take me off that list. And I looked at him, like, what the, what the fuck do you mean take you off the list? He's like, I did this, did this to myself. What kind of person would I be if I let some kid die that needs a liver for something they didn't do to themselves? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he literally was just, he just told the doctor, take me off the list. Yeah. And then he looked at the doctor and he goes, if you ever say this in front of my father, he's going to beat the shit out of you. And he points to me. Yeah. Like, he let the doctor know, like, this isn't, this is a discussion for me and you. Right. As far as, because my, gra- my grandfather took my dad to everything. His AA meetings, his doctor's appointments. He was very involved. Yeah, because he's, his dad wants him to be on earth, you know, wants him to still be there really bad, but your dad just didn't want to. And he, yeah. But he also didn't want his father to know that he doesn't want to be there you know right i don't i don't think that kind of you know they're super blue collar hard-working people yeah i don't think that kind of like checking out was ever available in their brain right so like when my dad kind of came to terms was like all right i'm done yeah there was no way that he could explain that to his dad that made any sense so he needed to have that appearance of doing everything so they didn't hurt his dad yeah, you can't tell your dad that. But he, I think he understood me well enough to realize, like, oh, yeah, I can just tell you that. You were his buddy at that point. Yeah. You were his I mean, friend. And I think he knew, like, from, I'll say, like, 12 to 15, I think I did more growing up than most people do between yeah. 12 and 30. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it literally was everything just swapped around and changed. So, I, like, I, being a kid wasn't a thing I could do anymore. Being a teenager wasn't an option. Yeah, you'd seen the world. You felt <clears throat> I had, pain. I mean, I had a full-time... I had full-time gigs by that time. Like, I was... Uh, really? Yeah, I had, I had done so much in high school that I'd, I'd only needed a handful of credits to graduate. I could get those at vocational school. Yeah. So, I went to vocational school so that I could get a job that would be where I could earn enough that I could save up money and pay for college. That was my idea. Yeah. That you were forced to be an adult at 15. Right. So, I mean, like, that was, I was planning that out at that point. Yeah. Like, neither of my parents had any money. Right. My mom is absolutely brilliant, has an accounting degree, but, you know, due to her circumstances, it's hard for her to work in certain environments and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. Like, she's never said that to me, but that's what I've always taken it as. And, uh, you know, I feel bad. Like, I, I see her struggle with it growing up. So I didn't want to tax her or push on her. And the same with my dad, you know, he mm-hmm. was, he was a machinist. He was very good at what he did, but he didn't make a ton of money. Right. So like them paying for college wasn't on the table. 
most kids aren't aware of this stuff too. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that you were even aware enough to know that you should go to vocational school and you're going to have to pay for your own college and being aware of your parents' financial situation <clears throat> at 15 is bizarre. And it that's it's such a huge thing to force you to be make these adult observations so early. And again, looking back on it, I think my dad kind of groomed that a bit. Like yeah. he used to walk in on payday and he would just throw a handful of cash on the table, like, uh, pay the bills. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, what, what are the bills? Right. He's like, they're all the ones in that box right there. Pay them. And he went to bed. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, he just left that on me. Like, you're going to figure this out. You'll get it together. Right. So I went up to the store. I bought all the money orders. I did all that. Like he had a checkbook. He could have yeah. Done. He wanted me to to pay know the how bills. to do that. Yeah. So he literally just threw a handful of cash on the table and said, pay the bills. Yeah, he's just showing you what life is. This is life. Right. So like, as I look back, I realized there were little things like that all along. He was trying to, okay, so he wanted to, you to get to that point as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think yeah. that was, like I said, he just he was done. He just wanted to make sure, like, okay, they're capable, they can do it. Yeah. I'm out. Dang, man. And... I don't have any resentment towards that at all. None. Like I, like I, I, I think about that from time to time and there's no like ill feelings towards my dad about that. I can completely understand that inclination just to be, I'm now I'm done. You got man, dude, mental, like, ha like having just like a fucked brain is terrible. And if people, yeah, like I, I get that, you know, and I think you have certain responsibilities on earth. And I think if you have children, it's to be a good father. But then after that, it's just like, dude, you can check out, man. If life's too hard for you, like, just, it's fine. And, you know, I never wanted to be a parent. Yeah. I never, I, I, there's no point in my life I ever looked at the idea of having kids and went, that seems like a good idea. I haven't. I was always like, that's an awful plan. Okay. So. But you have kids, right? I have one. Okay. Yeah, I have okay. a 13-year-old daughter. Yeah. You know, I, I just turned 34. Uh -huh. She'll be 14 in December. Yeah. So I was young. Right. And I was with the girl who became, who I got married to later uh -huh. for, you know, we stayed together for some years. And a lot of that really was like, oh, I have to be a dad and I have to, you know, like it, it was one of those things where as soon as I, that became a reality, I was like, oh, okay, well, I just have to man up and do that, whether I like it or not, whether I want to be a part of that, whether I want any part yeah. of it. And my daughter became everything. Like I, I thought about doing stand up or uh, you know a bunch of other things that I wanted right. to do when I was younger and as soon as she was born that was because that was real all yeah. that went out the window to me it was like okay I need a job that I have health insurance I have to have yeah I have to be home at night you know all these things so she became the one thing in my life that I cared about like me and me and my ex-wife were not we weren't close for about half of our relationship. Yeah. Like we were very friendly and nice to each other, but it, there was like, it, you could, it started diverging at some point. Yeah. Like I think when she graduated from college, it, it changed something in her. Like, I don't think she ever thought that would be to be a reality. So when it became one, I think in her head, her importance bumped up a little bit and it just started to diverge there. Wait. Okay. Explain that one more time. Okay. Sorry. I didn't totally follow Like, she so once she graduated what's what started that divergence i think her her, her level of self-importance bumped up 
Whose self-importance? Her own? Yes. I think how important she was to herself all of a sudden bumped up. Like her career or some or just in general. I think okay. I think in her world that was never even a thing. So I paid for everything while she went to school. Okay, so you she took the route of I'm still doing me when the kid was born, but you took the route of this is my everything. Is this I mean, kid? She was a good parent. Okay. But again, like going to school became a big part and she was still like, again, I don't, I don't in any way want to imply that she wasn't a good parent. Yeah. I'm saying that her self-importance grew as she was in school. And then when she graduated, it just became like this thing she could stamp down whenever she wanted. I'm a nurse. Okay. I mean, like it just gave her a whole different level of self-importance and self-purpose that. Yeah. I didn't, I did. I didn't like, I, yeah, I get that. And, and I'm not by any means blameless and, and, and mine and hers relationship being the way it was, we're both, uh, super stubborn. Right. You know, hers was, uh, have you ever heard that Eminem song where he says the, it's what happens when a volcano meets a tornado. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know which one that is, but yeah, that's very much what it was. Yeah. She's just this tornado of everything being excitement and happening and things going on all the time, you know, and, and every emotion is on her sleeve and immediately in your face. Mine just would sit and sit and sit and sit. And then just all of a sudden it would erupt and be this awful. Yeah. I'd be mad for two days and not talk to her. If I did say something, it'd be awful. So I'm not blameless by any means. Right, Right. But you know, we also had a kid when I was 20 and you know, there's some resentment towards like, Oh, all those things I planned on doing, I don't get to do. But who do you hold that resentment against? Life. Just general. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's not like, I don't hold it against my daughter. She didn't, she, uh, yeah. we, we just created her against her. Will. Like she didn't have any say in that. Yeah, man. Like yeah. It, it, it's really an arrogant thing just to like create a life. Like, blah, here you go. All right. You have to deal with all the things that come with being alive now. Yeah. It's very, you know what? No, fuck that. It's a gift. I, 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 it, it can be. Yeah. It's but it's a, also like they're there to me. Like I've always had some, like, I don't want to do most of the stuff I do. I don't want to do it. It's a drag to do day to day stuff. Yeah. I think it's your own responsibility to enjoy your own life. I would agree with that. I, I, I and again, th- this isn't how everyone should look at the world. No, it's no, it's just, this is like, this is my own little, it's called the anecdotal experience, right? Like it's just my own little like slice of this is how it makes sense to me. Yeah. And I, and I, right now I, I do, I get that where you're just like, Hey, you like someone was like a child or whatever. Some form of consciousness was fine, not existing. And now you're saying, no, you're coming into the world and now you're going to have to deal. You can either look at it as you have to deal with all this bullshit or you get the opportunity to like live a life. Right. And, and again, I think that's just part of that natural negative vibe that I have, uh, that I, that I tend to go negative because it's so much easier for me to express the negative stuff than to look at something hopeful. Yeah. Like it, it, it's real hard to make a hopeful view of the world when you know every day when I go to bed, I'm going to sleep for about four hours and then the pain's going to get so overwhelming that I'm going to wake up. 
and then I'm gonna have Shit, to take, uh, then I'm gonna have to take meds and hope that I can fall asleep within the next hour and a half or whatever I have before my alarm goes off at 4:30 in the morning for me to get up and go to work. Yeah, in in that case, like I think it's totally fair for you to say life's a burden. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's I shouldn't put that on her. I think that that was more just. No, yeah, no, I get what you mean. It's uh, yeah, it's all just the way you kind of view it, but. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's, I don't know. It is, it is strange because there's life isn't a choice, you know. Yeah, it was just me superimposing my negative shit on that. But yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Know, I, I. I hope other people don't look at it that way. But that's just to me, like it's that same comfort in. Yeah. I take comfort in things being awkward or negative. Because that's the easiest way for me. Like if I'm in a room full of people and they're all awkward. I'll smile. I love it. Yeah, because you're like, these, yeah, this is okay. If people are all eloquent and, like, well-dressed and stuff. No, I, I don't mind that. I, I mean, like, the social anxiety awkward. I revel in it. I love it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you've, it's what this is, what you're describing, though, is you've become comfortable in typically uncomfortable places. Right, and I I know that I can handle it better than most people in the room. As arrogant, like not to, I'm better. No, I, I know. Mean. I know from experience that I can handle that better. Yeah. So now I'm at least on level with everyone else in the room. Yeah, you're. So this is this is comfort. This is fine for me. You're 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 comfortable because you know everyone else is so uncomfortable. And it right. makes you feel like oh, I'm in control here. I'm not playing catch up at all. We're now on par, or I'm ahead. Yeah. So I. You know, again, I have a, a brash, loud kind of personality. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoy, like, like, if I can put somebody off a little bit, like, if somebody tries to take over, like, the conversation. Yeah. I'm very good at parrying that just enough to be like, all right, look, we're, we're on the same level here. Okay. You know I mean, like, Rand has the giant personality. Mm-hmm. Too and big. I, I Way love, too big. I love Rand's personality. I, I love it no, so much. Um. Anyone with that big of a personality, because they're gonna put other people off their off their game. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, no, I feel that. So what? So if you're in a, what about this though? Do you feel comfortable in a room full of people funnier than you? Yeah, I like you like that. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. That's fine. Okay. I don't have to like. I I I I love funny people. Like I I go to half the comedy shows around here. Yeah. I love it. I love comedy. I love people being funny. I like people taking something awful and turning it into something funny. Okay. Like that's the little bits of hope I have left in me are those things. Joy. Yeah. yeah that's like, you know, yeah, I listen to a, you know, a stand up comic, take something awful and make me laugh. I'm like, good job, buddy. I dig it. Yeah. You made me laugh. You you know what I mean? You made Lloyd yeah. Johnson laugh. Yeah, yeah, like oh, I'm I'm a I'm this angry, depressing yeah. shitbag half the time. But they but that was that funny, funny. Yeah, like that was good. And it's not even like an accomplishment on their part. It's just thanks, man. Like I appreciate the fact that you took the time to make something funny. Like to me, someone being intentionally not funny, like someone who has to be serious all the time, yeah, is worse than someone being rude to me. Huh. I would rather deal with someone who is aggressively in my face, rude and honest about how they want to, how they feel mm-hmm. 
than I would somebody who has like that roundabout passive aggressive. Oh yeah. Like, like I would much rather you just be outright aggressive and shitty. Yeah. Than that passive aggressive thing. And to take that a step over. Yeah. I would rather you be funny than nice. Yeah. Like when dealing with me, I'd rather someone have, like if you can at least say something humorous or, I can tell that you are willing to take a joke or be a part of a joke. Yeah. I have way more respect for that than I do for politeness. Know. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if I'm in a room and there's the CEO of a fortune 500 company that, you know, I could learn a million things from and yeah. would benefit me to be his friend. And then there's the funny guy. Yeah. I'm hanging out with the funny guy a hundred out of a hundred. Yeah, definitely. That's like, the, there's none of that. There's no ambition in me for, schmoozing and yeah, yeah but there's also in the same i don't i don't think i get uncomfortable in some of the ways i see other people like i can see people when they interact with like you know let's say if i i work at the zoo like if i'm around you know thane maynard who's the head of the zoo uh-huh. he's the guy in charge right you can feel other people get somewhat uncomfortable when they're around him i have zero of that i don't he's just another dude he takes yeah. a shit and he wipes his ass he, he's just a guy yeah, it's but people get intense in those situations with people like that because they think they have this person's opinion of them matters, like it could affect them personally and in, in life. But you gotta, but then that's why, man. That's why they get nervous. That's why they get weird. Right, but it could directly affect mine as well. Yeah, like, I mean, but, he's he if he wanted to, he could just like get rid of this guy. But I, I don't have any of that. Yeah, I don't either. And, and I, 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 it's one of the few things I do go, okay, that's a good quality I have. Like, you know what I mean? Most yeah. of the things about me, I don't generally like that much. Yeah. That's one of those things that I, I do like. So like if, you know, I, I went and see, you know, I'll go see Rand yeah. do a new, he'll, he'll tell me he's got some new material. I'll, I want to go see it. Right. And there's 10 other funny people that were up that night. Uh-huh. I want to talk to them. I want to meet those guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, like Billy, I immediately... I, mm-hmm. Again, I, I've I've had maybe fifteen minutes for the conversation with Billy. Yeah, I, I like that kid a lot, mm-hmm. and I immediately was like, I need to talk to that guy. Yeah, and there was none of that like, oh, it's going to be socially awkward just to start like you know, or when I talked to you the other day. Yeah, just have the conversation. You're another human being. I just wanted to talk to you, right? Because I've listened to your podcast. I've, you know, you're an interesting, funny dude. Yeah, you don't have social anxiety, and I mean. Here's the kind of funny part. I kind of do. Okay. In what context? All right. So I feel it. Yeah. But then the self-loathing part eats it. Like the part of me that's like, oh, don't be that shit bag. That's too afraid to talk to. Like I'll get so like, don't I'll get so grossed out by my own anxiety. Yeah. That I'm like, all right, fuck you. You're doing it. The shame of being a pussy eats the anxiety of introducing yourself to a new person right i yeah i'm the same if i if i have like you know let's say i'm you and i believe for i'm and i say oh i'm not gonna say anything i don't know what would i say i don't know that would eat me alive the fact that it's like oh, was i too scared to shake a person's hand right yeah and i think that only has the impact on me it does now because before like when i was younger yeah i was much more the opposite like the social anxiety would I was the class clown, not because it was, 
you know, I like my personality was that big and it was just me needing to act out. Like yeah. it was an easy way to make people like you. Right. And I could control what people thought of me by, I don't give a shit about what these people think. I don't care about the, you know what I mean? Like I could, I could block off the people I needed to not care about and, you know, th- bite my thumb at authority and earn that credibility with the people around me. Yeah. And it was simple to me. Like that was just, it, as I thought it through, like that's the easiest course. Yeah. So in high school, I got along with almost everybody. Right. Like I, you know, I had like my group of friends that I hung out with every day, but I could just as easily hop into any other group. Yeah. And that was where that like, Oh, I, okay. So the anxiety things only, only stopping me from feeling more anxiety. Like the, you know what I mean? Like the anxiety only led to more anxiety. Yeah, no, I get that. I don't Once know that you're explain that as well as I no, I understand what you mean because that's it's the it's fear. It's just yeah, because you have so many different parts of your personality, so many different emotions and things running through your brain, telling you different messages and stuff. So you can have sometimes you just keep get it. You get a flood of those anxious what ifs, like a flood of fear coming in to your brain. And then the more fear coming in, you're like, oh, now I'm anxious. Now I'm more anxious. Now I'm afraid of being anxious. I don't want to seem anxious. Um, But if you can have an overwhelming message of don't be a pussy coming into your head, it can counterbalance it. And then, you know. And I've used that in multiple different parts of my life. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I drive people nuts. Like I I smoke most of the time. And then like when I want to quit, I just stop. And I, you know, I've on and off smoked for years Mm -hmm. and I just won't smoke for six months. Yeah. And it literally becomes self-loathing beats the craving. Yeah. Like, oh, you're such a fucking piece of shit. You can't manage a a piece of paper with some shit inside of it Mm -hmm. that you light on fire. You can't, you can't beat that. Yeah. And it's that, that easy for, I I just won't. Yeah. No, I, that was me. I mean, that was me with like. I mean, it was starting comedy, man. It was a lot of the fact that I'd feel so... Like, if I didn't... I'd only go to this one particular open mic, but if I didn't go on that Tuesday, I'd just... It was that internal voice saying, what's the matter with you? If you really want to do this, if this matters to you and you want to... But you're afraid. You didn't go because you were too scared. That's on you. You were too scared. You pussed out. And you didn't go. And it's eventually that voice got so loud that I was like, ah, it's really bothering me. So, you know, every Tuesday I was there. I wonder if I applied it that way, whether or not that would work for me. Because, like, I, I've i considered trying stand-up mm-hmm. multiple times. Like I said, even like when I was in my 20s, early yeah. 20s, like before Lily was born, I, it was always a thought. Like, I, I loved it. Yeah. Always. Right. And, you know, so... Lily recently, her mom moved to Florida and yeah. she went with her mom. Yeah. Which was brutal. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it fucked my whole world up. Yeah. It still kind of bums me out, like, daily. I, you know, I mean, I'll walk by her, the door to her room at my house and want to punch a hole through it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it bums me out. But she was the main reason I didn't do it ever. Right. And it's bad. I don't know if that sounds the wrong way, but like with her, she's not here every day now. Yeah. Now you have time to fill. Like I could do it if I wanted to. Yeah. There's also part of me that's like, I like it so much as I, like, as I take it in now 
that I'm almost timid that it would that it would ruin that. Like that, you know what I mean? Like seeing how the sausage is made kind of thing. Like I don't, I, think I don't know. That maybe that's maybe. just rationalization for me. Maybe that's being the scared fear. to do it. Yeah. Because sometimes you tell that voice, that voice that's calling you a pussy, you tell it, you try to give it excuses. Yeah. You're like, and well, maybe it'll, I'll see the sausage and I'll be grossed out. And then, you know, you combat that with those. But I don't know. It could be totally logical and that's I, how you feel. I, see, here's the problem. My brain works in an incredibly logical, like cut and dry, black and white, logic driven way. Yeah. But I, I do have those things that every once in a while I'll look at and be like, oh, I've just been telling myself this thing for like the past year that was totally not accurate. I was wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll, t- I'll rationalize something to myself and then I'll look back on it and be like, oh, you fucking dummy. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been able to take comfort in like religion or yeah, you know any of, the, any of those things that require like oh i have to buy in i have to take this leap of faith or whatever right if you can't nuts and bolts explain it to me i i don't i don't, I don't have any interest i don't i don't want any part of it i don't right it, 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 it's importance to you becomes unimportant to me yeah you know what i mean like i, I remember a, a, a literal conversation i had with my brother when i was like 9 maybe so my mom made us go to church all the time yeah and so I was probably six or seven. Mm-hmm. So I was like eighteen months younger than Waylon. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna say maybe I was. I'm gonna have to guess I was eight. He was nine, or maybe I was nine. He was ten. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sitting in a Sunday school class. And up until that point in my head, this was just a place we went to hang out with other people that lived in our area. Yeah. And everyone just really liked this book. Right. So it was like a book club. Yeah. And she was talking about this, like she was actually the, the lady in charge of the class was going over like the Noah's Ark thing. And I remember looking at my brother, well, and I going, hold on, wait, she thinks that's real. Right. And he looked at me like, yeah, yeah, dude. That's why I hate it. You know, he never liked it either, but yeah, he's like, yeah. What? Like I, I, it never dawned on me that people would believe that. It's yeah. I don't think. I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't want to like piss off a ton of people. But everyone thinks that. But being religious is comfortable. But everyone doubts. Right, right. I, and I don't mean that in like, oh, you're dumb if you believe in the. But I, I didn't mean it to sound that like to no, me. You it, didn't that sound that way. Never occurred to me that it's just like cool story, man. Like it. It literally took her talking about it in a certain way from like, Oh, hold on. Oh, she's trying to say this actually happened. Like it just, it, 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 to me, that was such a foreign thought. Yeah. I had never even considered that that's how it was meant to be. Yeah. It it didn't make any sense to me that this adult person with a college degree believed that story. Like, and, and again, I don't mean to sound condescending or shitty. Right. Just to you, you just, you were surprised. Yeah, I needed it. I needed you have to put that together. You have to nuts and bolts. Yeah, this. it needs to. It's um. I always say resonates. It has to resonate with you. It has to. It has to. You have to hear it and be like, no, that that makes sense to me. That works with my truth, and I I'll take your word for it. Right, but I mean, all a religion that was was that way to me. It yeah. just never made any sense to me. So wait, how does that relate to you telling yourself things that you thought were logical, and then later look back? on 
And you said, wait, that wasn't logical at all. Right. That's when I get the most bummed out of myself. When I realize that I've been lying to myself or tweaking something in my head and rationalizing something. And then I'll look back at it like, oh, you fucking idiot. And but I it's will, okay. I, will, I know. It's okay to be wrong. I know. It's you didn't you weren't lying to yourself. Your truth was just wrong and then you you figured out the answer along the way. You never you know you always know the truth. You always know when you're making excuses. Just sometimes you really believe something and then you realize, "Oh, it wasn't that way." Yeah, it was, and you feel like an idiot. Yeah, and it, yeah. It, when I say like, "Oh, you you're fucking th- I say that to myself because that's the easy way for me to handle it. Like, oh, you were being stupid. You did this wrong, dummy. Yeah. I accept that I'm wrong a lot of the time. Right. Most people who know me probably would disagree with that statement. But I realize, like, oh, that's just, you know, that's a thing people do. That's how you cope with things. That's how you get around things. You make yeah. excuses. You rationalize. All of those things. I understand the psychology of it. I understand why you do it. Yeah. But the fact that I can still pull that trick on myself but bums me out. It's not like you're pulling it. The, like the diff- I mean, this is really, this is really high level. But it's you can you can I know when I'm lying to myself. I know when I'm making excuses for not doing the things I know I'm supposed to do. I know when I'm telling myself a lie. But then there are things where I'm like, no, this is who I am. This is what I believe. I think things are the way, I think things are this way. And it's truly what I believe. Then something will happen in my life. Something will go down. I'll have an experience and I realize that's not true. And that's not because I was lying to myself. That wasn't because I was tricking myself. That was just because, oh, I'd never seen this thing before. I had a new experience that showed me maybe things aren't the way they've always seemed. And there's no reason to be mad at yourself. I, I'm, I can look at that. Okay, I can I can look at that in a logical sense. Yeah. And go, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a perfectly reasonable statement. Right. But at the same time, I think it's just the comfort of that's how I deal with it. Like, okay, I, I can look back and go, okay, you were an idiot. Don't do that again. Yeah. Like I mean, it's easy yeah, for, for me sure. to wipe that off the table that way. If that right. makes any sense. No, I get you, but I, I'm saying like uh, that. To not fall back into that comfort of letting that excuse exist anymore. I have to go, okay, you're an idiot. Stop that. Yeah. No, I know. And that's what uh, what I'll say about my method for that is I respond differently to myself when I know I've been lying to myself versus when I just was wrong. You know? Like, it's more funny. when for That's how I deal with it. If I've been lying to myself, it's just kind of always a guilt thing where I'm like, I know I'm lying to myself. I know I'm making excuses. But if it's something where I run into, I'm like, oh, it turns out I was just wrong. It's more like, it's more just funny. Yeah, there is there's a, level, a level of amusement to it. Right. How wrong I was. How dumb I was. And I had, like, I had a different perspective on life. Right. Now and I feel completely different. I, I, I Again, I... I think to me, making it simple and just going, oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. That's probably me simplifying that way too much. Whatever you got to do, man. Well, I mean, and how I actually deal with it, it's probably a little bit more of what you're saying. Oh, There's I know a little what you bit mean. more yeah. of like, right. okay, dumb, all right, dumb, dumb. Right. Like, ah, oh, you got me. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, almost like I'm having a conversation with myself. Like, ah, oh, you got me. You right. were wrong. You could have figured that out. But uh, I don't, I'm not mad that I didn't. I'm just happy that I. I have something now to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get you, man. 
Um, well, yeah, this has been awesome. So um, we've, yeah, we've been, this is going to be a longie. So say like, what if you had to tell someone, hey, th- from Lloyd Johnson, this is what I want you to know. I'm going to impart this with you. If you could just say, this is what I've learned. This is my, you know, kind of like anecdotal experiences. Don't do this. Your perspective now, and you could be wrong. And we all know later you may like 10 years from now say, man, that podcast, I said that thing and it was wrong. But what is, what is that now? From everything you told us. That's a tough question. Uh, realize that there's a bunch of bad shit that can happen at any moment. Like that's a thing that's right there. And I've, I've, I've been hit with a meteoric shit storm over the past couple of months. Yeah, you have. And, Being a, being able to realize like, oh, it, it all, it all adds to who you are. Like it builds up eventually. Like, I mean, like, cause I, I guess that's the only thing I can look at right now is at some point this will all make me be able to look back and go, okay, that, that sucked, but there's something coming out of it, which sounds very, no, nope. it sounds perfect. Okay, it felt, it felt cliche-ish, kind of... Ha- like, uh, no, but dude, that's everyone that does this. They always have some stupid cliche at the end. Because it's, it's the forest through the trees. You're in the forest now. But all you can say to yourself is, one day I'm going to be out of this forest. And I'm going to be able to look back at the forest and be like, oh, that, that was it. You have perspective on it. But it also feels a little bit dishonest coming out of my face because I know how... Like, I don't have that big of a hope most of the time. Like, I felt like that was, I said that knowing, like, that's what I want. That's how I want to see it. If yeah. I was being 100% honest, that's probably not accurate. So, if, I think that's why it felt a little weird to say that. I don't like, know. To me, I know that I'm going to be in pain forever. Like, I know that that's a thing. Oh, yeah, you're going to. Like, that's never going away. So, yeah. like, I, I. I I feel like I was just kind of disingenuously hopeful. Yeah. And, and I almost regretted it as soon as it came out of my mouth. But well, then I, I was trying to I was trying to form it in a different way and it didn't come out how I Really? Yeah. Cuz I liked that a it, lot. It it came out the way it was supposed to sound. Yeah. But it didn't mean what I meant it to mean. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, no. But with the way I interpreted, I really liked it though. And and that that's kind of what I'm getting at is Yeah. I don't see that that way now, but I want to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you I would, Yeah, I get it. I want to be able to look at this and go, okay, soon this will all be more experiences to help me deal with other things easier. You want to have hope. Yes. You're hoping to have hope. Yes. Yeah. And that's it's such a narrow slit in the far off distance to me a lot of the time. Yeah. That it just felt disingenuous. Like, oh, have some hope, everybody. Like, it didn't feel right. So I felt like I needed to well, yeah, clarify dude. that. There you go. You d- yeah, you made it. You turned it a little more negative. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, it it feels a little more honest that way. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, this was that was really good, man. I like that a lot, though. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Lloyd. Thanks, sir. All right, later.